Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Friday, March 23rd, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 255, featuring Dr. Selim Parekh, co-founder of the Fantasy Doctors and professor of orthopedic surgery at Duke University, is powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the code Celtics for $50 towards select mattresses. That's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at Check out. Well, today's the day, right? Today's the day. This is the one that many C's fans had circled on their calendars. 323, Illuminati. Gordon Hayward's 28th birthday, Kyrie Irving's 26th birthday, the day many thought we would see both on the court together in green tonight in Portland. Instead, Both are sidelined, potentially for the season. It's not a good situation right now for these guys. we got a whole lot to dive into as it concerns both Irving Hayward, Marcus Smart's injury, Jalen Brown's update with the concussion. There's so much with this team down to its final 11 games in the regular season. Most important, as I always tell you off the top, you want to hear more of this show, you want the more frequently longer shows, more guests, whatever it may be, send us the message. The best way you can do that, subscribe on iTunes so you are alerted the moment they are posted. You can find them on Stitcher as well or follow me on Twitter or I tweet them out at an obnoxious rate. I will probably continue to do so. Get me there at Adam M. Kaufman and of course when you subscribe, when you listen on iTunes leave us ratings. Five stars are appreciated if you feel so generous, if you enjoy the show that much and please leave us a comment. Even just one line we appreciate the feedback. Goes a long way with the sponsors as well. That helps us decide if in fact we're going to do even more shows more frequently, whatever it may be. Let's dive into the thick of this thing because as I said, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, there are updates as it concerns both of their situations and let's begin with C's coach Brad Stevens. This is what he had to say just yesterday about Irving's sore left knee. He's talked to a couple of different people but nothing uh, concrete. He's still um, got a couple more people to talk to. From everything I've been told it's still the same. We're monitoring him and he's got you know he's got the knee soreness and until I'm told further he's day to day. And Gordon Hayward spoke yesterday to the Celts website about his rehab. Rehab's going well. Still progressing on the Alter G, trying to get where I can run like on a regular treadmill. So 100% body weight. Um, next step after that will be like jumping. And, you know, then hopefully I can incorporate some of that, the running and the jumping on, you know, treadmill to running and jumping on the basketball court. If you're ever looking for Celt Sound, I encourage you to subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page. New audio from the locker room almost daily, and not just quick bites. You get full press conferences. So, again, 
please do that. It's worthwhile. Now, neither of those bites, the sound you just heard was terribly informative, admittedly. And I've personally, you probably fall in this category too. I've kind of grown tired of hearing updates that leave a disturbing amount of room for interpretation. So here's what I did. I consulted an expert, Dr. Seelan Parekh. He works with me quite a bit over at DraftKings. He's the co-founder of the Fantasy Doctors. But far more important in your mind, far more relevant to this discussion, he is the professor of orthopedic surgery at Duke University, where Irving also just so happened to go to college. Now, no, Dr. P has not examined Irving or Hayward's injuries specifically, but he is a doctor who has worked with players with similar problems, so he can shed light into what these guys are going through medically and the various timelines that they're facing at this stage. I've got a lot to say on all this. I'm going to do that later. I want to get Dr. P right in here. Let's bring him in. Dr. P, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. I appreciate you taking some time here. Now, the Celtics are hurt at the worst possible time and running out of time to recover. Gordon Hayward not expected back. We'll talk about him. Daniel Tice won't be back. Jalen Brown should be back from his concussion soon. But the big question marks, of course, Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smarts. Let's begin with Irving. He had screws inserted in his left knee in 2015 after breaking a kneecap in the NBA Finals. Now, that knee is sore, so he's getting a second opinion, which, of course, only happens when you don't like the first. The original report from 98.5 The Sports subs Tony Maserati is he needs the screws out the knee is flaring up and Irving can either play through it going forward or have season-ending surgery what do you think is the most likely scenario here well I I think you almost have to look at it from a a bigger picture but and I'll get to that in a minute but from the knee perspective you basically put in these screws to hold the break together while it knits and, and and heals and so he had the screws put in for that exact reason Now, sometimes those screws can irritate either the patellar tendon, which is a tendon that links your kneecap to the shin bone, or the quadricep tendon, which is a tendon that links the kneecap to your thigh muscles. And so if those are the scenarios where the screws are irritating the knee, then taking them out is a good idea because you can get rid of that irritation. The problem is in a basketball player where they are flexing that knee and putting a lot of stress through that kneecap, you have to shut them down when you take out that hardware because you don't want the, the bone to re-break through the holes that are left behind. So you have to shut them down at least six to eight weeks for the holes to fill in with bone. And so that's the challenge from a big-picture perspective that the Celtics have to think about. Is it worth shutting them down? And, and they say, you know what, we're not going to make a big run this year for the playoffs and we can have them healthy for the beginning of next season or – do we try to push him through and then do it in the offseason, but maybe affect him for the beginning of next season? If Irving does have the surgery, what is the timetable for recovery? I know you mentioned six-plus weeks in terms of just sort of healing the area a little bit, but it's one thing to do that, another thing, obviously, to be ready to play basketball again. Yeah, you know, it's six to eight weeks to really do meaningful basketball activities, really be running full speed on the court and, and, and working on your shooting in a meaningful way. But because the bone is already healed and you're just taking out the hardware, you're just waiting for the holes to, to fill in with bone, which means that he can stand out there on the court. He can do some light jogging activity. He just won't put tremendous stress through that knee for six to eight weeks. So the timeline is if you had the surgery, you want him out six to eight weeks, shut him down, and then he should be pretty quickly back on the court full steam ahead. So there's reportedly no structural damage, but medically, and and you talked about it a little bit, but I I want you to go deeper. What exactly is going on in that knee with the screws? I mean, how much pain is there? What kind of damage are they causing? You know, do the screws move or rust? Do they need to be replaced or or just removed? I mean, sort of fill in the gaps there. Yeah, so either the head of the screw or the tips of the screws 
could be irritating the soft tissues, the tendons, uh, the ones that I was talking about already, and that causes inflammation and pain every time that he would flex or extend the knee. So that's part of the issue. Now, my bigger concern, and, and you know, we keep hearing from the Celtics camp that there's no structural damage, but my bigger concern is whenever you break the kneecap, there is permanent damage to the cartilage on the undersurface of the kneecap. And, and my bigger concern is, does he have early arthritis starting to affect that kneecap? Or does he have a, a chunk of cartilage that's missing that's causing him to have knee pain? Now, I get, get that again. Celtics camp is saying there's no structural damage, but that is the bigger concern to me. And, and if that's the case, I can understand why he's thinking about getting a second opinion. We may even hear that he gets a third opinion, and he's really struggling with the decision of surgery or no surgery. So with everything you just broke down, what kind of timelines are we looking at for those sort of individual circumstances? So if we're talking about arthritis, the problem is this just gets worse and worse and worse over time and will affect his play over time to an increasing degree. And at that point, really it's about maintaining the knee and trying to keep the inflammation as low as possible. So he'll have steroid injections, he'll have PRP or stem cell injections, all of that to try to calm down the arthritis and have him make it through seasons. You may even see that in the next few seasons, he limits his minutes to try to decrease the irritation to the knee. And that's the scenario if he has arthritis underneath the kneecap. If he's missing a chunk of cartilage underneath the kneecap, then when he has surgery to remove the hardware, the screws, at the same time, they will likely go in, clean out that, that area where the cartilage is gone, and drill holes into the bone to try to stimulate the body to fill that cartilage spot with scar tissue. He's going to be shut down for four to six months after that. So it sounds like, obviously, it's, it's not as simple as just have surgery and, and you're good to go. I mean, this is something that clearly could linger on throughout his basketball career, even after the screws are out. Absolutely. If, if this is more than just the screws alone being an issue, so if it's arthritis or a chunk of cartilage being missing, this is something that will affect his career. If it's just the hardware, then it's a one-and-done scenario. You take out the screws, you can rehab them, and he's done. Is there a way to know that throughout these first, second, third opinions, or do you have to actually go in and look at the situation to evaluate that? So usually the MRI or the CAT scan of the knee can give you some information on this. But at the end of the day, when he goes under the knife and gets that hardware removed, they'll stick an arthroscopy, a little scope uh, video camera, into the knee, and they're going to take a look, and that's where you'll see it for sure. Okay, so I want to come back to a lot of the stuff there because obviously there's a lot going on. But let's let's sort of table the surgery for a moment and just look at it for if they were to say, you know what, rest, maybe you can play through this thing for a little while. Irving has effectively missed five and a half of the last seven games with this problem. He's, he's not currently on the road trip. How much can rest help this issue? I mean, can it at all? So rest is great because it stops the irritation. It gives the, the soft tissues a chance to heal the problem is if it's due to the hardware, if it's due to the screws, every time he gets back on the court and starts using his knee, he will re-irritate the, the soft tissues. And so you'll see that it will continue to be a flare-up issue, that it'll calm down when he rests, flare-up when he uses it. And if it flares up enough, it starts impacting his play. 
that in mind, if if he does play again this year, isn't it likely once Irving's back on the court and playing big minutes in the playoffs, especially in you know in that environment, then he's going to flare right up again? I mean, how limiting is this? Well, if it's to me, if it's already bad enough that he wants to sit out and, and take time to get this to heal or give it a chance to heal, then when he starts playing big minutes in the playoffs, this for sure will become a, an issue and affect his play. Can you numb that pain, though? Shoot up the kneecap? Can you do whatever it is to make him right for, for just these 48-minute games? And then, obviously, it all comes down after that, and, and the pain sort of creeps back in. But while he's out on the floor, he's okay? You can try. You know, if, if, if it's more of a situation where it's in the joint, where the arthritis or this cartilage issue is flaring up the joint itself, absolutely you can inject it with steroids. You can inject it with numbing medications before the game. You can numb them up and really get them out there. But if it's really a screw that's bothering the tendons, there's no space for, per se for for the surgeons or the or the team docs or to really inject in that area. So even if you put some some numbing medicine in there, it doesn't stick around that area to really make it effectively numb. And so uh, it, that is a less likely scenario for him to be able to use those injections from hardware irritation alone. So is Irving even capable physically of, of ramping it up for the playoffs? Or if they trot him back out there, is he just going out there with whatever he had the last time we saw him? Well, I, I think what you end up seeing is a scenario where he rests, it's calmed down, he gets back out there, maybe he looks pretty good for the first few games. But as it starts to continue to flare up and he has no rest and he tries to play more minutes, it, it, that, that pain will ramp up as each game goes on and you'll start seeing an accumulation of, of, of basically loss of, of performance over a series of games. And then when he rests, it'll calm back down. He'll co- go back out there. He'll look pretty good. And then it'll start ramping up again, that, that irritation and, and how it affects his play. So it ends up being this kind of cyclical type issue that uh, will be a nagging problem for him throughout the rest of the season until he gets that hardware removed. I'm sure one big thing that's on his mind out of the organizations, I mean, he's a, he's a young kid, just turned 26 today, as a matter of fact. Is he running the risk of re-aggravating the injury by playing, or is it as bad as it's going to get until he has surgery? Well, I think you're going to always re-aggravate it, especially if you have a screw that's irritating the tendons. And, over, you know, imagine if I took a, 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 the end of a screw and I just showed it to you and I took a cloth and I had you just rub that cloth back and forth on that screw end. Hmm. Over time, that cloth is going to rip and that screw is going to go right through the cloth. So the one danger is if he is already having a lot of pain and to calm him down and get him back out there and you continue to irritate the tendon up against the screw – the concern is, do you eventually rip through the tendon? So that is a big concern that they have to worry about. So let's go back now to the to the long-term concerns. You talked about, obviously, if, if it's as simple as the hardware just kind of needs to be taken out, and then if there's no signs of, of early arthritis or anything like that, we can view him as, hey, you're good to go, surgery has corrected the problem. But if you were to put a percentage on it, and I know that's almost impossible, but what's the likelihood that that alone is the case? So, you know, obviously without examining him, without seeing the imaging, it's hard to know that exact percentage. But I would, just from experience, tell you that hardware irritation alone for the injury he had is probably in the 20% ballpark. That that alone is is what's going on. I think that is a much likelier scenario 
that there is some arthritis to play here or a chunk of cartilage missing that is affecting this scenario. We'll get back to Dr. P in just a second. I want to tell you, though, today's episode is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Do you know that humans spend one-third of their life sleeping? One-third! So why would you waste your time with an uncomfortable mattress? That's why you need to shop with Casper. Casper mattresses are designed by humans for humans. They're built to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for every body type. For example, take the original Casper mattress. The original Casper combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of sink and bounce. Casper also offers two other mattress models, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night, and all of this is designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. Casper makes life easy for the consumer. Affordable prices, hassle-free returns, and free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. And right now, my listeners get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using my promo code Celtics at checkout. That's $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, back to Dr. P. So it sounds to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like you're saying that even after the surgery, it's likely, you know, there's go off of that and an 80% chance that for the rest of Irving's career, he may not be 100% normal, or at least not what he was prior to this injury. Yeah, absolutely. I think there will be lingering effects from this injury, the patellar fracture that he had, that will continue to affect his career. So this is kind of a worst-case outlook, but we've seen knee injuries derail plenty of athletes' careers. Guys like Derek Rose, Brandon Roy, and the NBA immediately come to mind, obviously. Having suffered a knee injury like this, is Irving more prone to another knee injury, even ignoring some of the external factors and and possible circumstances that you just outlined? I I think not more prone to another injury, but more prone to continued irritation, which would then affect his minutes that he can play and affect his his performance. And I I think that's the scenario you see where as his career goes on, and we see this with so many, you know, of of the aging prominent athletes, they will limit their minutes and they will try to maintain their health as best as they can. So I think you will see that with Kyrie, even though he's only 26, you will see that in the ensuing seasons that he plays. On top of that, Irving has never played more than 75 games in a season. To date, he's at 60 or fewer four times in his career. As I mentioned, still just a young guy. Should that be alarming for the Celtics looking down the road? Well, I I think it's alarming. I mean, if you look at Kyrie's time, even here at Duke when he was uh, playing, he had injuries to his foot. So he's a smaller guy playing uh, a, a, a type of play where he is at risk of continued injuries, and he's already had many injuries through his short career. So I do think it's a concern because you don't know how long his body will hang in there to allow him to perform at such a high level. And every time he has one of these injuries, it just accumulates, especially when you're talking about arthritis or cartilage damage where there is no cure, per se. It's just a condition that gets worse over time. Did you examine him at all personally when he was at Duke? Were you at Duke at the same time? I was at Duke at the same time. I was not involved in his care at that time. 
from uh, people around there that you've talked to? I, I don't know to what degree anyone talks about this. Obviously, you start to, and he's talked about this from, from reports out of Cleveland, you get into HIPAA violations, so maybe there's been no discussion whatsoever. But in terms of maybe not even specific injuries and care, but the personality, the type of guy when faced with this type of adversity, have you heard anything about him sort of from colleagues and around there with his general approach? Well, and, you know, the reputation he had here and, and even at, that he displays at um, the NBA level is that, you know, he's a, a tough guy. He's passionate about the game. He'll do anything and everything it takes to get back to where he needs to be. And I think that's the kind of personality you need to power through these kind of um, conditions that could linger through your career. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I expect him to continue to be the way he's been, um, where he'll, he'll consider his options he was very thoughtful about that, even as a college player and, and counsel. Many people get second, third, fourth opinions, and depending on what he hears, he'll, he'll make a decision that, that works best for him. Well, Dr. P, I, I know we've heard, obviously, Danny Ainge remark that the organization doesn't have any sort of long-term concerns. There are no regrets over the trade, and he wouldn't discuss contractual business in the public. But I have to imagine internally the organization is still thinking when this guy's up for a new deal in year-plus from now and wants a max deal, why wouldn't you do it with that kind of talent? But I, I can't help listening to you. It's hard to think that he's they're going to be cashing in on exactly the same player they thought they were getting. Yeah, I think, you know, the next year and a half is going to be very critical for Kyrie if he wants to cash in on a, on a very lucrative uh, contract because if he struggles, obviously, over the next year, year and a half, um, you approach from an organizational perspective, you approach that contract in a much different manner than if he comes back uh, either this, the rest of this season or next season and, and continues to be able to perform at a very high level. So for Kyrie um, and contract negotiations, I think the next season will be critical for him. Let's chat here quickly about Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward as well. Smart had surgery a week ago today to repair a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his right thumb. The team said he's expected to return to basketball activities in six to eight weeks. He said he'll be back for the playoffs. Generally speaking, players who suffered this injury, what are we looking at? Could he return sooner? Yeah, he actually can return sooner. There are some new uh, implants that are available uh, in orthopedic surgery that allow us to get these players who have the ligament tear in their thumb to allow them to get back into athletic activities much faster. So I would not be surprised if we see him at the four- to six-week mark versus six- to eight weeks. If and when Smart does come back, what kind of limitations is he going to have with the hand? Um, actually, once they get him back out there, he won't. Uh, these new implants are so strong that as the ligament continues to heal like it normally would, they are protected by these new implants. So um, he won't actually have any kind of limitation when he gets out there. Well, so maybe you just answered this question, but Smart's not the best shooter in the world, obviously, but he is right-handed. Will this injury impact his execution there at all, or is it just going to feel like a, a new hand? Well, it may feel a little bit stiff and, and, and some limited motion, but it shouldn't impact his shooting to a great degree by any means because, again, he, he will have restored stability from, uh, from this implant that's used immediately. So last week when they did the surgery, immediately you get the stability back. Um, and so already in, over the next week to two weeks, the occupational therapists are starting to work with him on hand motion and hand strength. And so if in four to six weeks he's out there, I don't envision this impacting him much at all.
Hayward spoke to the Celtics website yesterday, said he's still progressing on the Alter-G machine. First, everyone in the C's organization talks about that anti-gravity treadmill. What's he doing on this thing exactly? What's it measure? So it allows these athletes to really get a great cardiovascular workout, to work on motion, agility, um, through the treadmill, but again, anti-gravity, so that you don't have the impact you normally would if you just went to your local gym and were, were running on a regular treadmill. And so that's the biggest thing, that you can get these players working out much sooner before the injury is fully healed and get them get the muscle memory back, get the, the agility back in a much quicker timeline, which all means you can get them back on the court much faster. If Hayward's around 70 or 80% of his body weight on that Alter-G right now, how close is he to a regular treadmill? Uh, probably another month, I would say. You know, um, I, I was one of the guys out there thinking that the way things were progressing, how he came out of his boot so quickly by December, I was thinking that he was going to progress and, and may have even surprised us all with an appearance in the playoffs. Uh, he did have a setback about a month ago, which is not unexpected after the injury that he had, where you have a lot of soft tissue damage in addition to the bone. And so with that setback, I don't think he's going to be available, obviously, through the playoffs. But I do think that he'll be ready to go for the for the, for the uh, beginning of the season next year. It's the last one. Once he is on a regular treadmill, because obviously that's not the news anyone wants to hear, but provided that's the likelihood, how far is Hayward from jumping on the treadmill, as he's talked about, and then running and jumping on a basketball court? Uh, from the time that he's on a treadmill, as long as he doesn't have any kind of setbacks, you're probably looking about another four to six weeks to be out there in the basketball court doing some more normal type of basketball activities. Well, another birthday boy, Gordon Hayward, probably not with the best news, but a lot of great insight there from Dr. Seal and Perek. Dr. P., thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Again, Dr. Seelan Parekh, professor of orthopedic surgery at Duke University and co-founder of the Fantasy Doctors. And clearly there was a lot there and none of it outside of the Marcus Smart details were all that encouraging, were they? Now, it sounds like surgery is inevitable for Kyrie Irving, at least based on what we just heard and the fact that Irving is seeking all of these opinions. And he could miss anywhere from six weeks after surgery to six months on all that we just heard and, and maybe even never be the same player again because of arthritis or missing cartilage under the kneecap. It's disturbing, I know. And if he plays through it in the interim, he'll still be in horrible pain. So what is the best course of action, right? That's that's what we're wondering. That's what the team is wondering. Most especially, that's what Kyrie Irving is wondering. So we begin with the obvious. If the injury is making Irving worse in any way, shape, or form by playing on it, stop playing on it. Shut it down. Call it a year. He and Hayward can both sit out. They can watch. Maybe Marcus Smart, too, or maybe he returns. And we can all just sit back and watch Al Horford and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Morris and these other guys get the team out of the first round, hopefully, or at least go as far as they can possibly go. I know. It all sucks. It all sucks going back to when Hayward signed on in July and we thought expectations were higher and all the more so when the team traded for Kyrie Irving and we thought this team had even higher expectations than that and then the Cavs struggling throughout the vast majority of the regular season still very up and down right now with their potential and it looked like the Celtics could very well represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals for the right to well probably get throttled by the Golden State Warriors but even still they would be there they would be playing into June and that's what it's all about right for this team to even be in that conversation so soon is not what a lot of people thought and now it's just it's it sucks it's it's ripped right away from you and appears just overwhelmingly clear at this point that that is not likely now if Irving does not come back they're done 
I mean, they're they're done for, for all intents and purposes. You hope they can get out of the first round, play for a month, keep it interesting, further develop their young players so they'll be all that much better off next season, but they're not going to go and, and have all these upsets of the Cavs, of the Raptors, and so on without a guy like Kyrie Irving. And if Irving does come back, which I'm... St- just listening to Dr. P there, I'm not sure it's even the best course of action at this point. I know the team won't do anything that isn't in his best interest, and they treat every situation individually as they should. What kind of guy is he going to be? How effective is he going to be? And how much more pain is is he causing himself? I keep coming back to that. I'm starting, I'm at a point, I'm starting to root for the team to just shut him down and plan for next year. When Hayward's going to be back healthy, when you know he could be back, Smart hopefully is re-signed, and all the rest of the guys are healthy and Tatum's entering his second year and no more talk of rookie wall or whatever and Brown is further developed and all of these guys they'll just be be better off that's ultimately kind of where I'm at mentally at this point it it really is but whether Irving comes back or or whether he doesn't and let's just say he doesn't for the sake of this conversation who steps up? Danny Ainge has said in interviews this week, it's Rozier, it's Morris, it's Monroe, it's Larkin, it's Nader, it's Yabaselli. You know, they're all going to play larger roles than intended. You know, you kind of think back to the playoffs a few years back when, when Terry Rozier and even R.J. Hunter, you know, these guys had to play a little bit more Rozier in particular than was expected of them. They weren't ready for it after the regular season. Well, these guys, because of all these injuries, they're ready. I mean, maybe not a Nader or a Yabaselli as much as those other guys, but, you know, Rozier can go in as he's been doing lately and give you 30 minutes. Morris has shown, and and it's not just that that winning three against the Thunder and, and what an exciting upset and ridiculous win that that was. He is a guy that is a reliable force off the bench or, or maybe in this case as a starter. And it's just Brad Stevens further having to tinker with the lineup and adjust and look for the best matchups and and just get this thing running as as smooth as as they possibly can. In some ways, I do think the game against the Thunder was kind of a microcosm of what they're capable of. And that's not, you know, upsetting a team with with three superstars on the other side. That is certainly not what I mean, or coming back from down five with 17 seconds left. But the balanced approach, you know, they have the ability, even with the personnel they have, to match up with different teams and different styles and different sizes. Not to the degree that they do when they're fully healthy or, or even fully healthy minus Gordon Hayward, clearly. But still, Jason Tatum, who has been great the last five games, he's averaging about 19 and seven. He's coming off of arguably his best game as a pro with the 23 and 11 and a plus 23 player in a one-point win he was fantastic he has played well down the stretch of the regular season after busting through that rookie wall or, or whatever it was I never really considered it one but if other people did if you did find whatever point is he's not being affected by it right now he's gonna have to play a vital role in the playoffs he's gonna have to be the stud that he was earlier this year and has been of late he needs to keep being aggressive I want him taking 15 shots a night not 10 not his season average 15 which is closer to what he has been of late Al Horford clearly quiet offensively and and he's not that guy that just takes over games he's he's not going to be that guy offensively defensively he can keep being your anchor and he can you can run the ball through him run the offense through him and he can make a lot of smart plays and make other guys around him better but he's not a guy that all of a sudden is going to regularly give you 20 and 10 in the postseason he's not the hop on my back boys kind of of player and so there shouldn't be that expectation that he becomes that can Marcus Moores go for some more 20 point games absolutely you know he's a guy that 
has been more efficient of late, great for mid-range. You know what you're getting from him. And even Greg Monroe with the 17 points the other night and a whole bunch of double-digit games, now that he's gotten acclimated and had some practice time and all of that, he's become dependable offensively and a, a bit of a threat off the bench in that regard. Still slow as molasses, but he can score. He's defending well. He's clearly more comfortable. And Terry Rozier, he's going to keep doing what he's doing. This is, what, 20 straight games now with double-digit points and is someone that, no, the shot is, he's taken a whole bunch from him. It's not falling at the rate he would like. He's still above 40% during this stretch of games since he first started starting and then went back to the bench and he's starting again, but he is someone that he can get into a rhythm. He can get comfortable and he can continue to excel for this team. And for him, I mean, this is just a great opportunity. He's making money with each passing game, as far as I'm concerned, and, and creating a conversation of Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier and what is your approach going forward. But again, how far can you go without Irving, without Hayward, perhaps without Smart? Not far. <laughs> I mean, maybe you get out of the first round maybe you don't if you catch a bad matchup and you just need to live with that i can't remember a time that a team was this stricken this late in the year by this many significant injuries all at one time and i'm sure there have been but this it, it really squashes potential it has to be so aggravating inside those offices not that anyone would ever make excuses or complain publicly but it it, it really is that beat your head against a wall frustration when we looked at what we thought the potential for this team was and at this moment seems like it's not i'm also equal on this Irving thing, maybe even more so. Maybe I shouldn't say equally. I'm fascinated by the impact on Kyrie Irving's contract extension. You heard Dr. P say this knee injury could impact him, could linger the rest of his career, whether it's just arthritis. Cedric Maxwell, who obviously played in the NBA a long time and, and had those health concerns, you know, he talked to me. He said that, look, once knee issues start, they generally don't stop. You just have to manage them. And Irving today is 26 years old. He's still a young guy, and I'm certain the organization wants to keep him around long term and intends to hand him the max contract provided there are no over-the-top health concerns which at least publicly you listen to Danny Ainge it sounds like they don't view it that way but it's it's hard not to and there's so much still to be determined then Gordon Hayward I mean I don't even feel like doing that one right now we got so much time but if he really is a month away from even running on a regular treadmill as Dr. P suggested forget it it's over no more hay watch as uh, as people like to say right now, it sounds like the focus is on training camp 2018 for Irving, for Hayward, for Horford to finally be a trio, barring some sort of offseason trade. People keep fantasizing about Anthony Davis. That's never going to happen. Kawhi Leonard, I don't think that's at all likely either. Or a delay in anyone's recovery, which, of course, I don't think that's going to be a thing for Gordon Hayward, but potentially Kyrie Irving. I mean, maybe he's not ready for the start of next year, depending on when this surgery takes place, if, in fact, he needs surgery. There are so many factors at play right now and the last thing the last thing i felt like talking to you guys about in late march and the last thing you felt like hearing about you know on to next year in the playoffs where they're going haven't even started yet so let's hope that's not the case hopefully irving's back if in fact he's doing no damage whatsoever to himself but it just doesn't sound like that's a likelihood and so you know maybe we should start to embrace the whole tatum brown rosier maybe smart young guy movement that might be in store here over the next month or so okay twitter questions you can always get me there at adam m kaufman we take at least a few every show from dean what do you think of a potential playoff matchup with the Cavs? do we have a better chance of beating them than we had last year well look dean the Cavs have won four or five kevin love is back he's playing very well lebron has been otherworldly his last 20 games guy's been incredible absolutely every night is a lebron night it has been stupid the numbers that he is putting up can he continue to do that into the postseason and carry this team on his back and play those huge minutes as he's been 
been forced to do all throughout this year and generally doesn't have to do to that degree in the regular season? I don't know, but I'll just tell you, I don't like the matchup. I really don't. Not not right now. If Kyrie Irving is healthy, if Marcus Smart is back before they were able to actually meet in the postseason and so much to be determined with seedings anyhow, then maybe, you know, we can have that conversation. But right now, what we know on the Celtics side versus what we know on the Cavaliers side, I don't like that matchup at all. Luca, should the Celtics re-sign Marcus Morris long-term? I love Morris. I think he's been exactly, short of the injuries to to slow him down to begin his time in Boston, I think he's been exactly what the Celtics were hoping he would be when they dealt away Avery Bradley and brought him in. But you don't have to think long-term right now. He's 28 years old. He's under contract next year for a, a great deal, $5.4 million. Danny Ainge is probably not thinking about locking anyone up long-term other than maybe Marcus Smart, but even this injury has to creep into his head in that regard, so it depends on what those numbers are when he hits restricted free agency this year. So I don't think that uh, locking Marcus Morris up long-term is at all on Danny Ainge's brain right now. Just just my feeling. From Green Teamer, you think the Celts will re-sign Marcus Smart this offseason? And if so, for what kind of value? Well, good transition there, I guess, right? Uh, I, I think he will. I definitely think he will, and I've, I've been very vocal about that. I just, I, I think Danny Ainge knows better than anybody Marcus Smart's value to this team on the floor. We They're a totally different team when he's available versus when he's not if nothing else, the mentality and the edge and the toughness and the tenacity that this team brings to the floor when Smart is there versus when he is not. So to a certain degree, I think you pay for that. It would be nice if he could come back before the end of the playoffs and play a little bit and show that he's healthy versus having to hand him whatever amount of money before that actually happens in the fall next year. But I do think Danny Ainge is going to bring Marcus Smart back. And if I had to handicap it, I think it's $10 million a year. That that feels about right to me. But again, for some people say eight, for some people say 13 or 14. All depends on what other teams are willing to offer and whether Danny Ainge wants to match. But I think he would, depending on on the dollars, clearly. And I think right around 10 feels right over a three or four year deal. And from Christopher, uh, I know it's early, but if the Celtics were to bring everyone back, which, I mean, probably won't happen, but most guys, where do you see us going in the draft at this point? I'll be honest, Chris, it's not remotely on my brain. Uh, I uh, Looking it up very quickly here, obviously they're currently positioned draft 27th. NBADraft.net likes Brandon McCoy out of UNLV. He's a center. Uh, Sean Devaney, just thinking back to last week's show, he really likes Mo Wagner from Michigan, another big power forward center who uh, had a great conference tournament, a couple of good games here in the NCAAs as well. He had 21 last night, the thumping of Texas A&M. So that's another kid to think about. I also wouldn't be shocked in the least if Danny Ainge made a trade. You know, I mean, there are only so many young guys you need on a roster. And if you're picking at the end of the first round for a guy that might not even be on the team, might wind up in Maine, to continue to stockpile those types of guys, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me unless you really see something there. And those guys are so few and far between. So, you know, I, I could see that pick being part of a larger swap. All right, we're about out of time. I hope you learned a lot. I sure as hell did from Dr. P. He had a lot of really fascinating things to say, even if I didn't like all the information. Again, episode 255 is powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics. Use the code Celtics for $50 towards select mattresses. That's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. Thanks again to Dr. Seal and Parekh. Thanks as well to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, everyone else at CLNS Media. And most importantly, of course, thanks to you. We welcome your feedback. You can always get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. And please, if you like the shows and you want more of them, because it's possible, we're thinking about expanding, leave ratings leave reviews on itunes even just a line goes a long way and uh you know no matter how silly that may sound please please above all else 
subscribe to the show on iTunes because the schedule's a, a little wacky. I know. Sometimes you get them Sundays. Sometimes you get the shows Thursday. Well, today is a Friday, and, and it's just it's going to bounce around like that for the next several weeks into the playoffs. So please, when a new show comes out, you will be alerted immediately on your phones or wherever else if you subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes. I encourage you to do so. Okay, enough of me. I'm Adam Kaufman. Go get him, Gino. Gino.